podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host, Tony Anderson, and I am proud to sit with my good friend, Robert Borthwick. Hi, Robert. Listen, I'm, I'm not just proud, I'm honoured to be sitting here with you, Tony. <laughs> this is uh, this a, lot of, what a lovely, heartwarming start to this podcast. There we go. We might as well get into it because this doesn't seem to bring a lot of heart warmth from other people when we do these lists after kind of what happened to... Um, Messers, Ewan Taylor and Joel Sked, who took, safe to say, some of the most heat I've seen anyone take on this podcast over a decade. The the last I heard of it, Joel is currently in a halfway house provided to him by the police. Um, <laughs> he's getting that many he's getting that many threats for the <laughs> for his decisions <laughs> for, for Anthony McDonald not being in the inner halves, <laughs> Declan Gallagher not being. I mean, wow. I mean. No, the, the beauty is, is the people that I'll be raging about, they won't listen. So they won't get any of the nuances of it. They won't, they won't know that Fowler also strung them up by putting it about three weeks later. And things change fucking rapidly in this country, as yes, you will see. But as you'll see, maybe by some of these, um, some of these choices, because I've got one guy at least in here that, I mean, a month ago, it wouldn't have even come across my head to put this in. So just so the listeners and on the joke, as it should be. Um, we're doing top 10 defensive midfielders, which I think this is the first time we've actually done this. So we've split everything into three. So there'll be defensive midfielders, central midfielders, and attacking midfielders, stroke wingers, I think. Um, so I'm interested with that. We've tucked this down to 10, Rob, which I don't know. Do you agree? Because there was there was only maybe 19 names that we could come up with, and some of them have been injured for so long that we wanted there to be some sort of jeopardy. We want people to earn their, their place on the list. Yeah, there's the issue of earning and also um, the sort of, just the question marks, the natural question marks you get of like, right, okay, is he properly a defensive midfielder? Is he a number eight? Is he this and that? So we, you know, as a as a group, as a podcast, have come up with these 19 names and uh, myself and Tony have whittled it down to 10. So listen, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes, mate. We'll see how it goes. I reckon... Yeah, just just to give the listeners some insight as well, Tony's been uh, pounding on, on Y-Scout. Uh, he's, he's been looking <laughs> at stats... He's been looking at numbers. He's been looking at pass pass adjusted uh, interceptions. Um, he's been doing all this. I'm very much vibes based. I'm going on vibes uh, when it comes to this. I've I've had a, a quick look on my scout. It doesn't back up all my opinions, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I know. No. Um, to, like, to me getting this, I got it and I looked at. It. Then Joel made me a list. Then I didn't look at, it and I, I looked at it today for one hour. So that was the, the, the long and short of my number crunching. But I got a bit, and basically I just went looking for the things that backed up what my already biased opinions. Uh, and like I was saying off air to Rob, that's my fucking prerogative because I get to sit here and make this list. And if you don't like it, then tell your friends because I don't care. Um, but firstly, we'll see someone that's, so like people that never made the list, Rob, I'll let you speak about Barry Beringimi, for example. 
Yeah, I mean, Benny Benangame is, is superb. He's a class footballer and he, he showed that last season, him and Cammy Devlin uh, as the, the sort of two number sixes, uh, the two central midfielders under Nielsen for a, a good quantity uh, of that season were, were brilliant. Um, I think Benangame was consistently top of the tackles and interceptions charts in the entire league. Um, but he's been out for over a year. He got injured last March. Um, I doubt we'll see him play at all this season. I think he's back in training now, uh, sort of getting involved in bits and bobs, which is great news. But um, yeah, we, 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 we can't let him into the list purely for the fact mm. he's not played for a year. We don't know how he's going to be when he gets back. Um, but if he had been playing this season, you'd imagine he'd be a top four player because he is he's yeah. that good. Um, I, I agreed. So we agreed to not do that. I've also not brought in... Jake Doyle Hayes for, for, for similar reasons I mean there'll be people sitting there going like he wouldn't have made the fucking list anyway Tony um, because he's Jake Doyle Hayes is a divisive player I think we, we're fine with not just at Easter Road but I'd say probably across the across the country but I, I like him I think he's a really well-rounded player I think he's a lot better than he's let on when he's at Hibs and I don't think the setup and the players he's played with has always brought out the best in him but I was looking at he's only made 12 appearances this season he's only started about three or four games. And I must admit, the last two games he started against, he started against Celtic at Parkhead and he started against Hearts at uh, Easter Road. And he, he he was really good at both of them. And I think he had a, a big impact on both of them. So hopefully we're seeing him come into it. But I thought if, if that's just not enough to go on when there's so many other players that can be there. So so I ruled him out. Another player, um, just so people know, um, I didn't put in Jimmy Jago. And uh, did, did you, Rob? So yes, he's I, did, I, did, I did put in Jimmy Jago. So um, what what number do you have Jago out of interest? I'm assuming 10? Aye, it's 10, like. <laughs> yeah, right, okay, so so let, let, let's get this show on the road with uh, with with number 10, which is uh, Jimmy Jago, Rob. Why, how did Jago make his way into, into your world? So that, this, is, this is the least vibes-based that I've done, to be honest. His numbers are actually quite good. I had a look mm-hmm. on my scout and defensively, his actions and, and winning the ball back, winning tackles um, has been impressive since he joined. He's, he's played a lot more games than I thought he had as well, actually. I, I, I didn't know he'd, uh, he'd started as many games, played as many games as he had. Um, but ah, he, started about, he started about 10 games, I think, already. So it is a, it is a decent chunk. Yeah, it is. And I think that... You know, Hibs went through a, a purple patch and obviously the four losses in a row before winning the Edinburgh Derby, two of which were against the old firm. I think that, that needs to be borne in mind. Um, he has been impressive, not with the ball at his feet. I'm going to stress that. Um, not with the ball at his feet. I don't know if he knows how to kick a ball correctly. Um, he seems to always hit it way too far down his foot, which means he scuffs passes and he sort of bobble instead of gliding. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of winning the ball back and allowing the players around about him to, to thrive. Um, he has been impressive in, in doing that and I'm, I'm sure Tony will disagree as he's not in your list at all. But I think um, I think he's allowed guys in the midfield, guys like Josh Campbell, Jake Doyle-Hayes recently um, to, to sort of have that stability to go forward. And I think that what Hibs were looking for when they were in, in sort of peril and poor form was a, a decent defensive midfielder who can just win the ball back and do the simple things. And he's done that. He's allowed Hibs to improve as a team just by his presence as a defensive midfielder, as an actual number six, he's allowing Hibs to get further up the park and, and let the attacking players and the attacking riches that, that, uh, that Hibs have, which is quite a lot now, uh, allowing them to flourish. So that's that's why he's in my list at number 10. Right. Um, you, you've, you, you've, you've almost started to persuade me, Rob. Um, I didn't, obviously, he's only played the 10 games. And, and the, what I was struggling with is 
I've probably seen him play four good games, like really good games where I've been impressed. I thought he's made a he's made a huge difference. And I've also probably seen him play three games, and two of them being where he was appalling, like beyond, like as bad as as, as you could possibly be as a player. And uh, my my friend Chris, who's, who's done a bit of poly, he he pointed out that due to, due to his style and his talents, um, when he has a bad game, he's going to look like the worst player on the planet because. He has nothing that will save his grace. So you've got another player. Jake Dohays is maybe a good example of this. When he's having a bad game, he'll still have a nice touch and make a few nice passes, and it'll, and it'll look easy on the eye. Whereas Jago, if he's not, if he's if he's in if he's in a bit of hiding and he's not making the tackles, and then when he does get the ball, he, he's it, it's never going to look good. You're like, what is this fucking guy doing? This guy's a complete imposter. Um, so it's I was trying to balance that all out. Um, but he did. He has had a big impact, and it's exactly what you mean. But my biggest issue with Jago is he is like half a player. Is it, 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 it's like so? So I feel like Hibs. I've got him purely as a stopgap, and that and, and that stopgap has helped. You're probably right. Maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe he should be on my list because he has had a big enough impact to put Hibs back into the run for for Europe. And before that, it was. It wasn't going to be, that wasn't going to happen. So he has had the impact, but it's just one of those, I'm just not a fan, man. He's he's, because he's just so hard to watch from my point of view, but I do massively appreciate what he's brought. I mean, he'd done a crunching tackle. I didn't think he was that great in the derby, considering that was the kind of game I thought I would really, you'd really see him. But when they go inside to go good for Hibs after they went up 1-0 up, he, he really came into the game a bit more. And that's something else I've not liked about Jago is that when he goes, he kind of goes into hiding, I've noticed. When, see when we were at Tanadice and when we played Motherwell, you start to see him going into these angles where he can't, you know, he can't pass on the ball. He starts to go behind people so he can see their numbers and you, you can actually see him doing it. Uh, but then in the derby, he was doing a bit of that in the first half when maybe what Hibs weren't, had as much control. Then once he scored, he'd he done a tackle where he, he tackled two people at once. And he went, I can't remember who it was, but it was like, and it was a brilliant, it was a side tackle, it was reckless. Like, but, but he won the ball and he run right through. There was no problem with the tackle. It's one of those you're like, from a Hibs point of view, you're fucking celebrating it. That's fucking brilliant. Um, so I'm just not utterly convinced by Jago yet, but I certainly will not argue if he becomes number 10 on this list. My number 10 was... Sean Goss, who, again, kind of by numbers, uh, he's the guy that I was talking about earlier, a month ago, wouldn't, wouldn't have got anywhere near near the team because I always thought Goss was just like a fair-weather player. But I would say, I don't know if you agree, Rob, I don't know where you have him, but um, he's he's sort of like, he's sort of been the epitome of, of Motherwell. His change in fortune is as stark as... Maybe Motherwell's and the fact we always knew he was like the polar opposite of Jago. You could always see there was pure talent there, but it just looked like he really couldn't be fucking arsed. Yeah, so I have Sean Goss at number nine, mate. So this is all going very, very well mm. so far. Um, and and the main reason is it's this is the the top ten defensive midfielders right now. And Sean Goss, since Kettlewell's come in, has adapted his game. He's never going to be hard in the tackle. You know, he's he's never been a guy that that's going to be like right smashing out the players. But his positioning in the middle of the park and his ability with the ball at his feet has allowed Motherwell to play this sort of quite expansive counter-attacking style of football mm-hmm. um, and getting the ball forward quickly. And essentially, as a defensive midfielder, he's not he's not hugely defensive, but he's effective. 
you know, you put him mm. in the right part of the the right part of the park and give him the ball, or if he wins the ball through interceptions, one of the best parts of his game, mm-hmm. then you'll be able to start an attack with a click of a finger, a, sweat, a, a sweep of his left foot, and all of a sudden Motherwell are on the front foot. He's so important to how they're playing football just now that I think that it's kind of got to be. He's, I think he kind of has to be in this list now because he's, he's mm-hmm. basically affected affected this Motherwell team in such a positive way. Uh, and we've seen them. I mean, they've been the form, one of the form teams in Scotland uh, in, in recent weeks, obviously, Dundee United loss notwithstanding. Um, but I, I really like the way that he's just had a small tweak in his game. And that's going to come through management um, mm-hmm. to then play that little bit deeper, play as more of a quarterback, if you want to call it that. I hate that phrase in Scottish football. Mm-hmm. There's a good way to think about it. A deep-lying playmaker, uh, essentially, and and you know his his range of passing has never been in doubt. Uh, the way that he can spray the ball about, and as I say, that importance to the way Motherwell plays. He's a he's a ball player, uh, and and they're getting the best out of him. So yeah, he I think he fully deserves right now. Things can change. He deserves right now to be in the top ten. Yeah, I, I agree because I was thinking about that. I was surprised at how low his accurate passes were. So it was 78.86, which is, is quite low compared to other players on this list. But then I, I quickly checked like long passing and stuff. And he does more than the other players in this list. He plays much more expansively. So for him to only maybe be a percent or two behind your really bang average guys who will only ever put it 5% really shows, who only put it 5 yards really shows quite how much handier a player that is who can do this and like you say set off a counter-attack he's also got a good set piece which not many players in this list do and that is he's got like a weapon that, that they can use both for for deliveries and as you saw Easter Road that actually to to score a goal and and yeah I was surprised that um like the this the defensive duels 6.45 I mean it's not the it, but it's mid-range in this list which again I wasn't. I was expecting it to be him to be quite far away from that, uh, and obviously he wins quite a lot. Is is dual winning is over sixty percent, which again fits in line quite nicely with with the rest of this list. So when you look at that and you think they're meant to be more of his weaker points, and you add on the fact that he has much more to his game than other players in this list, and the fact that he's really sort of straightened up his his play since, as you said, since Kettlewell came in, I do think he's deserving. Of, of being in this list because as I said earlier he epitomised the rise and then you were in much more analytical talking about that of why and how much better he makes Motherwell and you can tell the wide players at Motherwell like Johnson picks up loads of his balls going and bombing down the right hand side and then even Van Veen because he plays quick balls in behind he was doing it against Hibs constantly where he was just going in between the, and he can and they're, they're accurate so he's good and Van Veen will just wants to loves going in behind. I mean, Van Veen's one of those weird players. Doesn't look fast, but he's getting away from people, and you don't really understand how. But Sean Goss puts it there for him. My number nine. Uh, right, let me get my document back up. I've got Jason Holt, who I wasn't going to bring because he's been a guy I quite strongly criticised uh, when I've watched him a couple of times this season. I've watched Livingston a fair bit. Just as I say, because we've got. For people, like obviously, when we do the games on a Monday, normally we might share it and say, oh, can you grab and watch this game on Y Scout? Uh, like a team that I don't, I've not, only apart from when they're on Sky Sports, I never see Hearts, for example, because there's normally a Hearts fan on who's watched the game. So that's not the team. But Livingston and St Mirren are the teams that I normally end up watching a bit extra of. And Hope was letting me down a bit. I, was, I wasn't as impressed as I've been. I still am. I, but I must admit his numbers 
were a lot better, especially on a defensive sense, than I thought that they would be. So this is the one I ignored the <laughs> the Jago ones uh, with my eyes, and, and I'm sort of going against my, my eye test a bit for Jason Holt. And another reason for that is because Holt has a lot of credit in the bank for years and years of, of good performance. Livingston were better early in the season, so I don't want to, even though it's maybe right now, I don't want to get too recency biased with, with Jason Holt because I've seen him play poorly twice uh, on Wisecat. I didn't want to be too unfair on there. And his numbers, they, they, they do stand up, especially not as much as you think with, with Holt. You would think it would be a lot more about his, his passing, but the amount of like, defensive duels he wins, he's in 65% of doing them. His passing still nearly up. It's 83.37%. He makes interceptions. He's got low passing, for, but again, that's playing for, uh, for Livingston, so it's slightly different than what it'll be for their players. And he's just making as many recoveries as, as other players in the list. So he's still working hard. He still have an impact. And I still think he deserves his place on this list. And he just signed a new two-year deal. And his importance next season with what... Um, with Martindale talking about the the drop and they're obviously going to have a drop in their budget again, which means it's going to it's going to have to be the lowest in the league, which really it should be, <laughs> uh, based on what what how many people come through the gates and what have you. And they're going to lose players that have been stalwarts there for a while with them. So Holt's importance is going to be, I think, massive next season. Yeah, I've actually got him higher up, Tony. I've got him at seven. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And again, th- this is this is down to history as much as current um, sort yeah. of current day. I think that Jason Holt uh, this season has had to deal with a lot of different midfield partners. I think that's mm-hmm. that's the area that Martin Dale's tinkered a lot. So he's had Sean Kelly in there. Stefano Mionga has been in and out of the team as well. And he's kind of you know from last season he had Omionga earlier on this season. Omionga was his midfield partner, and those two mm-hmm. working together, buzzing about, the amount of running they do. Um, is uh, between them is, is absolutely superb but I think that with him being a mainstay like you say becoming more of a stalwart actually with this new two year deal and guaranteeing his presence sort of at Livingston for the next couple of years alongside his numbers which are impressive and I, you need to bear in mind a few years ago you'd always consider Jason Holt as a number 10 you know he was the guy that was getting in to try and support the strikers especially mm-hmm. Rangers he was great at that he was kind of running mm-hmm. the channels uh, in beyond the likes of Waghorn and Garner and stuff like that and he was setting up a lot of goals the way that he's adapted his game in recent years has really impressed me because he's always been quite dogged. You know, he's always been the the wee man uh, who, who feels like he maybe has to put in a harder tackle just to make more of an impact. But mm-hmm. he's still doing that and he's still doing that consistently as well. Um, I really enjoy watching Jason Holt because he's, he's got this bite about him now to add to his obvious ability on the ball. And I yeah. really like that. I really like that kind of player, someone who can mix it up and do a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think he's... he's Levy haven't been great this year. I, I think that some people, especially... Yeah, I think we're starting to look at this calendar. We're looking at this calendar. 2023 and 2022 are, are, are different, even in the same season of how we rate. I mean, post pre-World Cup, pre-Christmas, and post is like talking about two entirely different football clubs, really. Uh, and I don't. I think you're right. Even though it is right now, I do think Jason Oates still deserves a place. And, and you're, you're maybe right, he does. But he is probably... <laughs> There may be an argument here is he's one of the more rounded ones because he, he, he his work rate is ridiculous for a guy that used to be a 10 and maybe thought of more as a luxury player um, in terms of the tradition of, of, of his position. Uh, and like you say, when, when you look at his numbers, it's all about his 
I'm like, I'll, I'll get some of them here. Defensive duels, like 7.97. It, it's up there with, with most of the players in here per 90. He's winning over 65% of them. That's really, really impressive compared to everyone else. Um, and the, the interceptions are just as high as everyone else. But then also you've got the, as you would expect, the, the really high accurate passing of 83.37, which is higher than most on the list. So he's still a really rounded player. His numbers back him up. It's just that, as I said, I've seen in games recently, Cause Livingston are getting so humped. <laughs> this is we're not just talking about Livingston losing. In in the recent like months, you're talking about them getting absolutely battered off every single team they play. Like, I mean, I saw him against Hibs, St. Mirren, they um and recently I think who's yes, recently against St. Mirren, they got absolutely hammered. They were three 0 down in 20 minutes. I think Motherwell turned them over as well. So it was just, I mean, teams for the lower leagues were turning up and turn, turning them over. Inverness Cali turned up. And, and absolutely battered them. Um, so it's it, it becomes that the game, he can't have really much of an impact in that, but why should we blame Jason Holt solely for that? And I think on this list, he more than deserves his place. So um, who you got in number eight then? Uh, one second, I'll consult my list. Um, mm-hmm. I have, Tony, I'll be honest with you, mate. I've been Victor Loturi pilled. You've, uh, <laughs> you've you've done enough. You've 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 done enough to convince me that he deserves to be in this top. Uh, even ahead of Jordan, even ahead of Jordan Tilson, who has better numbers. He has better Aye. numbers. But, I've, uh, I've bumped Jordan Tilson off the whole list, despite Jordan Tilson's numbers being uh, really good defensively. But I'll go into why uh, the opposite again. The Jago side uh, is for him. But yeah, you if, if you want to talk about the Tory, because I'll be here all day. So on you go. Listen, mate. I'd, I'd, I was gonna, I was gonna pass this over to you because I think you're the one that's passionate about Victor Latouri. <laughs> but listen, I like the way he covers. I like the way he covers ground. I like the way that he, when he goes into a tackle, he doesn't try and sort of stand the player up. He just runs through and tries to take the ball in that way, and that obviously it leads to conceded fouls and all this kind of stuff. But that's going to happen if you're a defensive midfielder. I like that he doesn't really change the way that he plays, regardless of opposition. And mm. um, and and yeah, I mean, that's a really- you know. That's a really good point. The Go opposition one because his best his best performances have been against the old firm. Uh, it was against Celtic mm. uh, in Dingwall and earlier in the season against Rangers when when Ross County had a really good game at Ibrox and Latouri was really good in both of them. And it's like those games you were able to see his ceiling going up when you're when you're watching them. And and I've seen a fair bit of Latouri this season. And I and like I, I'm I'm head over heels. He's like got the he's got the to come for Canada at that age and to come into like such a shit team, but be able to have a really good impact. He's now in the Canadian, he's been called up to the Canada national team. Uh, and I don't want, this isn't just about the way he looks, but he's, his whole game looks like he's been modeled on Kante. Uh, I mean, it's like a really obvious like thing to use, but the thing I love about Latouri, I've got him in seven, by the way. So I've, I've, I've snuck him in even, even slightly higher. And and honestly, Rob, I was trying my best to get him higher, and I just I had to stop myself because before before when we were to, before I actually consulted my scout and I was sitting doing my list in my head, Latouri was top five, right? And there was nothing that anyone was going to be able to do, but then I just had to accept that it just, I'm just not right, and it's not right now. But I think he certainly they will be next season. And the main thing, another thing that again, like we're talking about, what Hope can bring, and maybe Goss can bring that's slightly different from the sort of your average player on this list. Um, Latouri's got the highest dribble success rate, apart from Jimmy Jago, but Jimmy Jago like does one 
like less than 0.3 a game. So it, just, it doesn't even register. But he also attempts the most. So he's got the highest dribble success rate and he also attempts the most in the game. So this is me talking about a guy who's taken a lot of responsibility at Ross County. He's really good at tight areas. I'm excited about what happens to the Toure if he goes to a bigger team because it looks like he'll be able to cope playing for a bigger club when it's like a bit stuffier. He'll get the ball. He'll be under a bit more pressure than maybe what he is at Ross County. I do understand that, that people will sit off him uh, in the way they play. Um, so I'm excited about him being able to do that. And also his he's got really high offensive duels and progressive runs. So offensive duels is, is like maybe not necessarily dribbling, but you're protecting the ball. So you know how to use your body well. And he can, and he, and he, and he can carry the ball further than most of the players in this list. So this is like... A guy, this young Canadian with that many attributes that are a lot more to find than just like even someone who's really high on this list, like Gogic or or even and, and like Goss, you know, like this guy that looks like he's got a lot going for him. And it's like a really cool pickup from Ross County to go to a league like that in Canada and pick a guy like this with this many attributes that the scout deserves a lot of credit because it's like this guy's built for for British football really it's just that he's, he's absolutely perfect for it and I think he's going to go on and have a really good career and if it was up to me if we can make the swap that Noah Kenny stays up there and Latouri comes comes over here then to Hibs I'd be absolutely delighted but I didn't put Tilson on my list just so you know I don't know if you have but um, I'd, I'd, just because Tilson, all his numbers, it's all purely about playing for a shit team. So he does more, he does more than everyone else on a defensive side. And he does some of it quite well, but he's also, he never passes the ball. He's never really involved outside of that. And then when you match that up against Latouri, who had all these like decent defensive stats like everyone else, and these really, really cool offensive stats that other people don't have. Plus, like I say, my eye, I've been, as you mentioned at the start, I've been wooing over this guy for for quite a while from, from the times that I've seen him. Then um as I said, I had to be controlled to keep him in seventh. And I, and I hope I'm proved right here about where his career ends up going. Right, T.O. then. So where are we now? I've got him. I went the two. So we were in eighth. So I've got the two in seven. So who did I have in eighth then? Oh, I had Dan Phillips. Do you have Phillips anywhere in this Interesting. list? Interesting. I don't have Dan Phillips in this list, mate. No, I don't. I don't. Um, he was one that uh, if we were doing the top 12... Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of a top 10 he 100% would have made it uh, he was in my my bottom two that unfortunately had to, to drop out when I realised it was a top 10 and not 12 mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I like Phillips he's he's got he's got very little pace um, but he looks like the sort of guy that can handle that do you know what I mean he's, he looks mm-hmm. like he's absolutely sound with being slow um, and I like the way that he progresses the ball I like the way that he mm-hmm. you know from a St Johnson team that's stagnated that's been terrible for the mm-hmm. most part of this season He's been a he's been a high point in the way that, that he's able to to dribble without pace and able to sort of like take his first man on and then find the pass. He doesn't need to just play one touch football. He's able to progress it a wee bit. I really like that, especially from players that play deeper in the park. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he he needs he needs someone buzzing about him to get the best out of him. And I just feel that in that St Johnston midfield, he's never really had that. He's never had a partner who can make him better. So he's got a lot on his shoulders and that's kind of what's keeping him off this list for me. It's not necessarily his fault. It's the fault of St. Johnston essentially being the my least favourite team to watch right now uh, in the in the Scottish Premiership. There's, there's no fun 
about that team. Um, but I do like him, uh, and I'm interested to hear why you have him relatively high up in the list. And, and if he's not nine or ten, you know, he's he's a, a solid four places ahead of where I had him. So um, it's really funny because the way that you're describing is the reason that gave him much more sort of product from me, more of an oomph from me, is because I was respecting at how little he's got to go on, how much responsibility Dan Phillips has to take as a St Johnston player. I, I think it's ridiculous whenever I watch, when I watch the difference when he is playing and when he's not, is, is so stark. He's a player that's forced to the most responsibility his club. He's the only player there with any of the skill set he has. He's the only player that, there that can give so his teammate an option and allows St Johnston to build any sort of pressure. Um, and I and I and I've sort of rated that highly because I get, you're 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 doing it the opposite for me because you're I, I'm saying that 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 makes me more impressed because I, I, that he's that he's able to stand out. In, in that place around him. But like you said, I mean, he's really lacking. I mean, I've seen him in the midfield where you know, you've got your your Halbergs, even Wotherspoon, Graham Carey's been in centre midfield and stuff like that. I mean, they're all like various levels of ability, but they're all the same style of player and none of them are quick. Uh, and that's why I was laughing. I saw with Robert Snodgrass today, they been doing his little, um, almost like a press release that he'd done on Twitter. Uh, and I saw some Johnston fans tell me to come here. I was like, that is the last person you need to come to your club. <laughs> do, not, do not ask Robert Stonegrass to say for St. Johnston, you're off your fucking head. Um, but but Dan Phillips, I mean, his numbers aren't absolutely great. This is purely eye test. But without, without um, when I, I've watched enough of St. Johnston with him without him. And when he's not there, they just they just get, like, they get treated like whoever they're playing is like the old firm, even when they're just playing like Hibs. Or Sibirin, or like you know, and, the, and like the and like I've seen them at Pataudry this season as well, where Aberdeen just had the ball for forty five minutes, and, and I'm like, this is Aberdeen, St Johnston. They can't be treated this way by. I mean, you have to, you have to get involved in the game. You have to try and progress up the park. And then when I see Dan Phillips, suddenly they they they're in a game. They can someone can control the tempo a little bit. And like the style of player is is one that I like. I mean, I was a huge. Dylan McGeoch fan and Dan Phillips has quite a lot of similarities with with McGeoch. It's maybe not being particularly fit, might even be one of them, um, but and, and not really being able to understand how he's getting past people. Um, but he is yeah. doing it, and he's got a wee bit of the snake hips, and he's got quick feet, and he can get away. And again, this is very much a player that I like, and I've got a lot of respect for what he's had to deal with at St Johnson, and I've put that, I've given that a lot of credit that maybe others might not have. Right, so then we had Latouri at my, was my seven. So we've had that. And who was your seven, Rob? Uh, my seven, if I consult my list, was uh, Mr. Jason Holt. Okay, so, so we've done Holtie, so we'll move on to the next. I've got number six here. Uh, Ramadani, Rob. I mean, where, where you got Ramadani on yours? Uh, so I've got Ramadani in fourth. Oh, so I, I right. see currently I've got him in fourth. No, no, that's that's fair. I've got him quite high up, mate. And tell me why. Tell me why. I he's a player that uh, that suffered under Goodwin and has absolutely flourished under Barry Robson. And not only that, he is embodying what's good about Aberdeen just mm. now. 
in that he he wins tackles, he flies into them as well, um, <laughs> he riles people up, he gets he gets the players around him g'd up, he gets them fired up, he understands what the fans want and what the fans understand from a, centre, a defensive midfielder. But he also has a wee bit of quality about him as well and he doesn't mm-hmm. mind getting forward. You know, I like how you, you sometimes find him on the edge of the box, in the box, you know, making these runs from deep and he's a bit of a maverick. Like, he's got this he's got this thing about him where like, he's not a nutter but he's not not. Do you know what I mean? He's got <laughs> a, a wee bit of both and I think that... Well, we saw him getting up that, that with recently, the beef we were talking... Yeah, we saw him getting up. Who was it that he knocked, o- that he knocked over? That was all brilliant uh, last week. Dan Armstrong. Dan yeah. Armstrong, and this is definitely this is definitely a bit of recency bias for me putting him uh, <laughs> putting him where he is as well because I, I just um, I, I really think that Aberdeen are the team that we need to be talking about just now um, mm-hmm. as a as a league generally. I think Aberdeen are, are, are the guys. I think they as you know, I'll, I'll say it on the TV show this week if you tune in tomorrow um, that I think Aberdeen have got third sewn up now. Um, I don't see any team getting near them. Um, you know, the Hibs and the Hearts won't find the consistency. And I think that Ramadani being in that midfield, we're going to see how important he is for the next four weeks with Graham Shinney being out. Mm. And I think that the way that he's been able to raise his game since Robson came in, even under Goodwin, Ramadani had his good games as well, you have to be honest. Mm-hmm. He did. He did. Um, and, and I think that what we're going to be seeing is a guy that's able to take that responsibility on his shoulders. He never hides. He's never running away from the action. He's always there, thereabouts. And I just really, really like watching him play. Um, he's he's making a defensive midfielder. He's mm. like, you know, this will be one for only Hearts fans. But about a decade ago, more than a decade ago, one of my favourite players in the team was Adrian Morovitz, um, <laughs> who was a, 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 a. I couldn't even tell you where he's from. I actually can't remember where he's from. But he was just a bastard central midfielder, defensive midfielder who would fly into tackles and play a simple pass. I love that. I absolutely love that. And he's got this renegade spirit about him as well, where they can wind up opposition players, opposition fans, and get the fans on side. So again, you know, we're talking about stats. This is a vibe-based one for me. That's why I've got him mm-hmm. so high. And that's why uh, that's why I appreciate him. No, I mean, you're you're definitely not gonna hear me argue against say that I like Ramadani, I liked him under Goodwin. Uh, I thought there was a there was an improvement in his performance. Maybe similar like what we're saying about Dan Phillips. When Shinny came in, there was an improvement in Ramadani's performance with the players that came in with Pollock and McDonald behind them. He was suddenly able to focus on the things that he's good at. Whereas again, before he was getting stretched too much. It was too much expectation, too much jobs for for a single guy to do. And now it means that we get to see the sort of more of that classiness about him that he, he, he is he's nice on the ball he's clever he plays with his head up uh, and like you say and, and loving a tackle is always just in Scotland I think that'll be Scottish football fans probably British football fans in fairness that goes that's high up on our list of things that we enjoy we celebrate a good tackle like we celebrate a goal uh, in, in, in certain games and Ramadani does that and he's really responsible for the rise in Aberdeen's work and he's become like the fulcrum of everything. Like the, the, the ball, a lot goes through him. Uh, and like I say, we're a fully intelligent player like that. And and I think he was always good. It was just, we weren't able to see the full package because he's not fucking Superman when he was in the midfield previously. And now we're getting to see it. I'm interested, the other side is, do we, will we see weaker performances when we take Shinny out of the, Shinny out of the team and he's playing against better teams? Possibly, and again, I'm not going. I'm not leaving that at his door. 
as you've seen with Dan Phillips, I'll, I'll do a lot of work for you if I feel that you've been unfairly treated and, and, and been left with too much work to do. Um, so, uh, aye, Ramadani, brilliant player, brilliant player. And I think he'll go on next season. He could be even higher, especially if Aberdeen go with Robson and they have a good transfer window and it's quite solid. You could see Ramadani becoming sort of like the main man at Aberdeen. I do believe that could that could happen. Right, so where was I there? So that was six for me. Number five, and I'm assuming you've got him maybe a bit higher. Um, well, sorry, who did you have at six? John Lundstrom. Oh, right. So I had Lundstrom at four. So we've done the the switcheroo here. And I, I've what I've done is I don't think Lundstrom's had a particularly good season. Um, the things I do like about Lundstrom, I do think he's got a... He's got a good range of passing. I always thought that. And, and, he, and, and when he plays with his head up and he sprays the ball, it can be good. I like his technique, Lundstrom. So I like, and again, this is about vibes, about things he like. I like the way he kicks a ball. And I, I, don't, I know that sounds really rudimentary, but you, you, I think you understand what I mean, Rob. Just the way that he strikes the ball, the way that he'll pass the ball. He's quite tall and big, so it can look really good. And when he's at it, he can sort of just like bound the people the way. He can drive, he can dribble. We saw him at his best in the in the Europa League run last season. Uh, and the other thing that Lundstrom's got above everyone else in this list is a, is a good shot. I would say he's probably the best at shooting on this list. And I respect a bit of that. And despite him having a poor season, I still think he's better than the other eight guys that I've put behind him. So that was kind of my, my way of thinking about it. But... He has, he's got himself, he caught up in a lot of shit this season and and he seems to, and he gets lost in games has been the biggest problem. And I think that's frustration of what's going around them. The fact that in a new with a new manager and a new system, I think there's more expectation on his role and he doesn't have quite a, as contained a role as he maybe had under Van Bronckhorst, which really showed the best of him. Um, but now it, I feel like he's, he's always getting involved in petty stuff with other players, and 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 not in the not in the fun way like we're talking about with Ramadani, in the way that his his focus goes, and then he he just gets lost in the game. You see him popping up all over the pitch, and when Rangers are at their worst, I always feel that Lundstrom's one of the main reasons for that. And again, I'm judging on them when they play like Celtic or something like that. But when there's big gaps in them, it's when because I feel like Lundstrom's went searching or went looking or got he's got himself a hot head. Um, so for a guy at the standard who he's played at, the experience he's got, I find that a bit, not unforgivable, but I find it a bit silly for a guy of that level to to, to sort of behave like that when it's not going his way. Yeah, I, I think for me, placing him so low on the list is because it's all relative. Do you know what I mean? Especially mm-hmm. with lists like this, it is all relative. And his drop-off this season has, for me, um, you know, that is the definition of why Rangers are still so far off Celtic, is players mm-hmm. like him dropping off to such an extent that he is, you know, not 100% personally responsible for shipping goals, but in the big games against Celtic in the European mm-hmm. debacle that they had this year, mm-hmm. he was just so far off it. And I, I don't think he'll stay beyond the summer. I think they've got Raskan in now, they've got Todd Cantwell, They've got guys, Glenn Kamara is still a far superior player, in my opinion, to to, to John Lundstrom. And I just think that his time at Rangers is coming to an end. He's still strong enough to be easily on this list. Obviously, you've put him a bit higher because of the genuine quality of the player. Like, you know, you could put... You could put John Lundstrom in uh, St Mirren's team ahead of Alex Gogic and St Mirren would be a better team. However, 
it's not really about that. For me, these lists aren't really about that anyway. It's more about how they're doing for their team. Uh, and, and for me, he's... In the context of their team. Yeah, yeah, totally. 100%. And, you know, when we release this list, I'm sure we'll have a bunch of Rage and Rangers fans uh, in the comments saying why we got Alex Gogic higher than John Lundstrom. But <laughs> because I think that right now he's more important to the team that he's playing for. And John Lundstrom mm. is, is not falling off a cliff, but certainly uh, a small hill. Uh, he's fallen off just now, <laughs> and, and you, you, you're right. Technically, I really enjoy him. I think he's he's got a great he's got a great pass on, especially his first time passing is uh-huh. brilliant. You know, he can turn it around the corner, or he can ping a ball out to James Tavernier without really looking. He's got that ability, but he's not shown it enough this season, and he's not the player that's going to take Rangers to the next level. He's the player um, that the level that Rangers were last season, and that was mm-hmm. for me at my level than what they are right now. They got to a Europa League final. They won a Scottish Cup. They could still do that this year, but I'm not too sure. So yeah, I'm. I'm it's more down to my personal disappointment in John Lundstrom that I've got him quite low in this. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a perfectly reasonable way to look at because he's the kind of guy. I should see him like bossing midfield and and also being able to dribble. You know, like combatively. You know, when you see a player, it's not that they're dribbling past people with skill. It's more like you know, like there's a bouncing ball, loose ball. They pick it up and they knock it past someone, and the ball's still bouncing, and they knock it past their person, and they're huge, and their strides are big, and they're just driving through the heart of a team. I always feel like I should see Lundstrom do that all the time, and I feel like it's there. Uh, but like I said, it's just like, he's playing like he's got other things on his mind. That's that's always the way that, I, that when I'm watching him. He, never, he doesn't seem, I don't feel like we've got Lundstrom 100% with you uh, over a 90-minute period. And like I said, that I really don't think that's good enough when you've played at the level he's played at in the standard, the games he's played at. I find that it's it's a bit childish, really. I don't I don't I don't get it. I don't really understand it. And and Beale was a fan uh, of he, he worked with he worked with one, so he brought him in. Uh, and the fact that he's in and out of the team now, I think that does say a lot when it's a guy that obviously the manager's fond of. It's not like maybe Kamara, who was always kind of maybe being sidelined a bit as we went with, with Beal. You'd think that Lundstrom would have been like a, a reinvigoration of, of, of who he is, but um, I suppose Lundstrom did have his best game. Maybe I'm wrong. He did have his best games under under Van Bronckhorst, but there we go. Let's move on. I'm bored talking about Lundstrom now. Um, right, so I had my number five was Cammy Devlin, Rob. Are you accepting that? I think five was the probably the right spot for Cami Devlin, with all things considered. Uh, I have got Cami Devlin at number five. Right, yeah. I, so agree. I, 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 I agree with you, but it is not where I would have him if it wasn't for the recent collapse of Heart of Midlothian. I would mm-hmm. have probably had him third, if I'm being honest. I probably would have had him third, because I think he's a good enough player to be in third, and he's, the, he's a pure defensive midfielder. He is exactly, oh God, he's exactly what you want in defensive mm-hmm. midfield. He wins the ball like no other Hearts player I've seen in a number of years. The way that he wins the ball back is superb. His interceptions are brilliant. He can, you know, transfer the ball wide right, wide left. He doesn't really drive forward, but that's what I mean when I say he is the pure defensive midfielder. And he's also just a massive nuisance. He's the personality that you want to see in a defensive midfielder. Opposition mm-hmm. teams will hate him. They will hate him. Referees will hate him because he's constantly chatting, constantly chipping away. And at the start of this season, he had made really clear signs of progression from the season before. He was putting in great performances in Europe. He was absolutely superb against Europe. 
Uh, even the games that we got battered in against like Fiorentina and, uh, and, and Istanbul and stuff like that, he played really well. He was superb away at RFS. He was, honestly, I really thought that I was looking at a player who was right. This is a guy who's going to progress now and make us some money. He got a stupid red mm-hmm. card against Rangers um, and then he got an injury and then he went to the World Cup. And since the World Cup, him, Kyros and Atkinson, uh, all the Aussie boys that went, haven't been as good uh, since since the World Cup break. Um, and yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It's annoying because I think that, honestly, I had to talk myself out of putting him third. Mm. I had to talk myself no, out of it. And when I, when I first wrote the list, he was third. I had him there because I was like, right, obviously, Cammy Devlin. And then I thought about recent weeks in recent months and he's been let down by the players alongside him Robert Snodgrass guys like this um, but he is good enough for if we were doing this next year hopefully he would be third on the list but I just with, I, with good, I can't put him there with good conscience right now can't mm. do it um, I, I agree because I mean we, we messaged a few things just to this, what the certain players we were talking about not the full list but like I said, oh, I would have had Devlin third last season. Easy. I don't think I can do that. This time, very similar. Like it just, it just doesn't quite work. The, it's really weird. The the Aussie boys all coming back and being poorer, I find quite bizarre. Uh, Raul's probably been the most stark in terms of where he was before and where it is now. And I think he's taking quite a lot. He's taking quite a lot of the heat for it. Um, uh, for for what I've read from from Hearts fans and, and just little articles of it, because I think Raul's is a is a good player. Uh, but it's bizarre that they, I thought they would have all went away and they'd all be coming back with their tails up, imagining if I do fucking well here, I can be playing at that type of level all the time. You know, I mean, it's not it's not a huge step for here down south. I mean, there's it's a well, well, well trodden path. It's the reason Duke's here. You know, like Duke quite said it out loud. I didn't want to come to Aberdeen. Obviously, the man from Cape Verde doesn't want to go and live in Aberdeen. It's that, nobody can de- deny that and say it's an unfair comment. But his agent has spoke to him. His agent's probably been able to show him that this is exactly what happened. Here's 50 examples of players who've, who've moved down south in the last three years. And that's the obvious thing. So I would have been thinking, they, they would already be thinking, wow, I've went to Australia with World Cup. We've done better than we expected. Rowles especially, his sort of ceiling seemed to go up as we speak. We're watching there. His partner signs for a, a Premier League team for, for 50 million quid. And they they were both given huge credit for their work. You thought they'd come back buzzing and like totally focused. So again, I mean, it, it lends itself again to maybe. And I know you definitely can't go into this type of thing. I know you've got a, a work capacity there, but like just it's all field stuff at heart. So it just seems like there, there has to be off field because the things that are happening off field they just make no sense. The way the players are playing, none of it makes any sense. It does feel like more of a mentality. And maybe some sort of split, and, I, and I'm not asking you to say anything wrong. But don't don't get me wrong. I know I know what we're here for, but um, but with with Devlin, I he was he was he was absolutely tremendous. I hated it. I hated it with last season. He, he he could do everything. He was he because I've got Gogic really high, and again, similarly for the reasons that I think we were mentioned earlier that Gogic is going to be is because of the importance to his team, and his team are playing above themselves as we speak. So right now. He has a huge impact on his team. But Devlin had done everything Gogic done. And I even quite liked the way that it looked like Devlin was trying to develop in a more attacking sense. He couldn't shoot for shit, but he was getting forward. His runs were intelligent. And that made, and, and, it, and it would cause confusion at the back because it was a guy you didn't expect to be coming. And that was really working. And I thought, Hearts will keep going with this. He'll improve. And eventually this guy 
will add, he'll score four or five goals a season. And from that defensive midfield role, when you're already able to do everything Devlin does, if you add five goals to that, you start, right, this guy's fucking class uh, and, and really, really effective in loads of different ways. And I do believe that that will come back. I, I, I do think Devlin will ride again in, in a Hearts top because I don't think that Hearts, I don't think what's going on at Hearts will bleed into next season. That would be, I mean, I really hope it does, but I don't, I don't, I don't believe it will. And I think we'll see Devlin back at it because uh, he can do everything Gogic can do, which is sort of like the, the thing that I love in a defensive midfield, similar to you, just go and be a nightmare, chasing everyone, never being like, basically being like a wasp on a summer's day when you're trying to drink your pint of cider and then you're being chased around the garden. Uh, and you're meant to stand still, but you can't. Uh, but Devlin would just do that non-stop, but then he would also have a bit of quality. He's got more quality than Gogic, so that would be, he's got all those, but then he can also switch the passes, he can make himself available for the ball, he can step out. So there's loads to love, but um, he seems to, like like you're saying, for the Aussie players, for one reason or another, and the wider hearts has been affected, but he will he will come again, Rob. I, I, I'm assuming you agree with that. There's no doubt. Uh, a hundred percent, and he's the the sort of character that will come again as well. Do you know what I mean? He's he's, uh, he's he's actually again like in in recent weeks, he's he's one of the few players that looks like he genuinely cares right now. Um, mm. Like him, uh, Alex Cochran, guys like this, they, they they look like they they're bothered, you know, by what's happening, and and I, I think that's that's always going to stand him in better stead. But he's a fan's favourite, regardless. Like the fans absolutely mm. love Cammy Devlin because he is the bastard that you want in your team, not in the team against Dude. you. Um, and, and that's basically it. But no, unfortunately, I had to swap him uh, for the, the the third place player that I'm sure we're going to talk about soon. I think they both have in third place as well, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So we spoke about Devlin. I had lunch about fourth. You had Ramadani in fourth. So I right, let's, let's let's talk about Alex Gogic, mate. Yeah, let's talk let's about, talk Alex, about Gogic. Alex Gogic. Yeah. I think I sh- that when this list is when, when this list is revealed on Twitter, hopefully very soon and not in three weeks' time, uh, when it's very possible uh, that Cammy Devlin scored three consecutive hat tricks or something. Um, <laughs> right you, now, you'd be Alex, sacked for your commentary role at heart. <laughs> right, right now, um, St Mirren have probably my favourite midfield in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mark O'Hara has been an absolute revelation. But behind every Mark O'Hara, there needs to be an Alex Gogic. And um, mm-hmm. he's just been so all action um, that it, it's genuinely sort of awe-inspiring to watch him right now. He is <laughs> everywhere on that. He's, he's everywhere on the pitch. And like sometimes, like see the game when they beat us at Tynecastle a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh no, I just think he's everywhere because he looks just like Curtis Main. And then I realised, no, that is just Alex Gogic popping up at that post. <laughs> and then 10 seconds later, that's Alex Gogic making a, a, a goal-saving tackle at the other end. Like he's He's been absolutely superb under Stephen yeah. Robinson. He is the exact player that Robinson absolutely thrives off of. And Gogic has been putting in star performances for weeks now. And I think that obviously O'Hara is going to get the headlines because he's scoring goals, he's getting assists. You know, He's been a talismanic figure from the midfield. He's won the armband a bunch this season as well. But so much of the credit has to go to Alex Gogic because it's Gogic that wins the ball back. It's Gogic that gives him space in the midfield. It's Gogic making runs into the box to allow Mark O'Hara to get that shot off on goal. It's Alex Gogic who's basically underpinning everything positive for me 
right now about St Mirren um, and I can't talk highly enough about him and that's not something I ever expected to say you'll know him from his time <laughs> at Hibs um, he was hot and cold at Hibs you know he was he, he, he you know defensively doing duties and, and, and all that kind of stuff but he wasn't he wasn't the all-action player that we're seeing right now for, for St Mirren and what, as this list is the best defensive midfielders right now I think he, he fully deserves to be this high up the list um, and he's got the he's got the Y scout numbers to back it up in quite a lot of cases <laughs> yeah. as well um, so, you know never never forget the Y scout um, we respect at its door but yeah I've I, I got a lot of a lot of begrudging love for Alex Gogic right now because I, I just think he he has had his best season in Scottish football uh, and he deserves mm-hmm. he deserves more credit than he's getting even when he stepped in, even I, I thought he was the best player Cyprus had when when Scotland played them and he was playing in the back three, but um, which obviously was a weak point from. I mean, that Aki's he turned him into defensive midfielder, and I think rather than it being because they thought he had the attributes, it was to get him away from the back. I do like one of those. Like, I think it was more that than than oh, this guy's doing great, but we would prefer him further forward. But I couldn't agree more. The, the attacking stuff you're talking about is similar to the stuff I was talking about with Devlin earlier. That's that sort of like been added to his game, and it's like an intelligent move for for Robinson. And you had you had a, a string to a guy's bow, which I always think the manager is something you, you really want to be doing. You do want to be adding stuff to these players, especially the level we play at. The, you, you, you're 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 so rarely getting the finished articles. So as a manager, you've you've got so much to work with in terms of what you can improve, but it's just a marriage made in heaven. And it was one that I think a lot of people, maybe not to the degree that it has, but I think a lot of people saw coming when Robinson was there that Gogic will be good for him. That'll work. Uh, maybe not to this degree and maybe talking about Simmerin getting group stage European football, but uh, I think everyone saw it and and and, and, and I'm pleased for him because it's like, you never say that Gogic doesn't put in the effort. And Gogic is, despite what he lacked, he's maximised his talent easy. For him to have even played, Hibs finished third with Gogic in the team. For him to have played for a team that's finished third centre midfield in Scottish football is a big fucking deal. That is a guy maximising his talent as far as as far as far I'm concerned. And the, the, always the issue for Hibs is as the team evolves, the central midfielder is just going to see too much of the ball. And the, the, the things that Gogic doesn't have will get starker and starker, especially when fans start getting back into the, into the stadium and get annoyed by it. Um, but he's been tremendous. He, defensively, he's also, he switched off quite a lot when he was at Hibs at corners. And that happened, I think it happened four or five times. And that when that happens and it gets earmarked and you know every single fan now knows, every single fan noticed, your card's marked then. It doesn't matter if it doesn't happen again. You, you're the guy who, you're, you're poor at defending at corners, you know, and that's, and that's full stop now. And even if you start saying, well, that's not happened in four months, you'll still get told the sharp because people can remember exactly when it happened and exactly the situation that was when that happened. But this season, he's been really good. He's been good in both boxes um, in terms of attacking headers. As you said, he's absolutely, he, he's like breathless to watch now. He, he just, and it's, uh, he seems to have built a structure which allows Gogic to just go looking for the ball. So if the ball's over it, the, the left back, it could be Gogic turned up there pressing that ball. His pressing stats were were really really good on Wiseka. I don't think I'm not, I'm not I'm not I'm not even going to disrespect people by reading them out because if you've watched Gogic this season, you'll know fine well that his pressing has been outstanding. But the the stats I do like just show 
like how clever uh, Robinson's been. It's just the passing. His passing's like the lowest on the list in terms of attempted. So passes per 90, I think he's lowest on the list. I think he's lowest for opponent opponent half passing. Um, so that's like a manager who absolutely understands what is what his weak points are. So let me get them here. I've got them here. So what's his passing stats? Are, bear with me a second. This isn't the best audio, but I've got it here somewhere. Um, 26.39, which is way lower than way lower than everyone else in terms. So he's just not having to do it. And and they and that's why he doesn't even have to sit in that midfield role. Because you're talking about Goss playing a, a quarterback role. They, they don't want him doing that. You go looking for the ball. You go hunting people down. You get there. And it's all about when he's not on the ball. Is is So even when he, his movement, when he's driving forward, he's causing mass confusion because who's this big fucking bald cunt coming driving into the box? You're not meant to be here. You're shit at football. Get out of the box. Oh no, but Marco Harris now got loads of space and he's really good at football. Um, but he doesn't like being in too tight areas. He doesn't like the, all that. So again, this is all Robinson just knowing exactly what he wants to players. And again, Robinson's, what I love about Robinson is he's no, his, his style that he likes is so suited to here, but it's so, out of touch from what most people would think is a good football manager. And like if he was playing in the English Premier League or something, he'd be thought of as a dinosaur. But here, rather than try to recreate Barcelona, just create the things that are really, really good and make sure that you create the environment that your individual players can thrive best at. And I always think that in Scottish football. And I think Robinson sort of gets that more than anyone. But again, me and you would both turn our nose up on Robinson being our manager. Like we would. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and just so people listen, no, you're nodding the head. It's true. And it's probably daft. It'd probably work really well. But it's just because we, we expect more. We want to be more rounded. We want to be more evolved. We want the team to do better than that. But it's St. Mirren, Gogic, and Robinson. It's the perfect home. And if I was St. Mirren, I'd be doing anything to keep Robinson there happy. Get Gogic on a long contract keep O'Hara there and they can have a real good run at it for two years. I mean, he's, he's turned Curtis Main into like a, a, a... Curtis Main might make the top 12 strikers. And that is mental because Main was a joke. He was a joke figure here. And now he's battering what Rowles, who's playing in the World Cup. He's getting battered, pushed aside and drilling balls at the ball court. So it's all... None of it makes sense, but Robinson knows. And this is what we world we live in. And uh, Alex Gogic epitomizes it more than anyone. And as I said, I'm still pleased for him. It's like, I, I liked it when he signed for Hibs. I knew it was what we needed, but I knew it was always just be short, short term. Similar to Jago. It's all short term. It's never going to be enough. Fans will always demand more. But now he's in a place where everyone's got an understanding and he's he's just fucking tremendous for them. Right, the top two is the same. Rob, sorry, I got this carried away there. Uh, oh, <laughs> top two is the same. Jack McGregor, I take it. Aye, yeah, yeah. Um, Ryan Jack second, Callum McGregor first. Um I don't think this needs a whole, a whole load of chat, Tony, especially Callum McGregor. I think Callum McGregor is still, for me, the best player in the country. Um, probably alongside Rio Hatati nowadays. Hatati has been just absolutely top class. Um, <laughs> yeah. But 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 Callum McGregor is still just a ridiculous, ridiculous presence in the midfield. He basically never loses the ball. He doesn't need to look up. He knows He knows where he's going at all times. He knows where the opposition are at all times. He knows where the passes are open. He keeps it simple, but he can also do the delicate stuff as well. He can get forward, play through balls. He can score goals. That left foot of his 
when he gets within 20, 30 yards, the goal is absolutely superb. And he is just a graceful, wonderful footballer who's taken the weight of the arm, uh, the armband at Celtic and lifted that weight perfectly. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a magnificent footballer um, and one that Celtic have got to be absolutely delighted that they didn't punt maybe a couple of years ago when they thought they possibly could. Mm-hmm. You know, Leicester maybe looking about. Nah, they kept him and he's repaid them 10 times over. Um, just, just a magnificent footballer and I don't think there was any question for me that he was number one in this list and uh, you could do midfi- midfielders generally it'd be him and Hatati um, at the top Ryan Jack's the interesting one for me because actually his numbers suggest that he could actually have a shout as being number one here because mm-hmm. if you look at num- if you look at numbers only he's absolutely excellent in every single aspect that you want from a defensive midfielder and I suppose that's maybe down to the fact that McGregor being deemed a defensive midfielder is a bit of a misnomer considering the way that Celtic play means that McGregor's mm-hmm. always going to be further up the park. Um, but I think for me, unless you want to add anything on McGregor, Ryan Jack's interest in what to talk about. No, no, definitely. I did just McGregor, I just love, even when he goes to the Champions League, he doesn't look out of place. And that performance he had against Spain uh, for Scotland, I think is a really interesting one because people spoke about that he didn't get on the ball as much. And I thought it was really interesting because it was such an understated mature performance from him because it must be difficult because here he's the main man. He just goes around and he gets the ball and he does whatever he wants here. You know what I mean? He's he's at that level. You know when he used to be like McGregor could elbow someone in the face and he just wouldn't get sent off. He has he has hit that level like what Alan Shearer used to have in England when he just used to be able to just go around and do whatever the fuck he wanted at all times. Uh, and I think McGregor's there but in that one he had to play because McTominay was in there with him and McTominay was playing a much more, he would be on the front foot. He was bringing the the sort of counter-attacking element because he has the legs to do it and obviously had the confidence from his goals. And, and McTominay has that in his locker. So rather than having Jack beside him, so that meant he had to be really, really clever and he had a 100% pass rating and he only passed the ball like a gogich. He only passed it about 24 times in the game. So he didn't see a lot of the ball but he never got himself carried away. He never moved out of position. He still made loads of blocks, loads of interceptions on the edge of the box. And then when he got it, he used it really intelligently and never got away. That must be hard to do. You know, you talk about goalkeepers who never have anything to do and then they have to spring into action. And that's like some of the best goalies. I like that. To see McGregor having to do that, I thought that was like a really similar sort of analogy for, for, for the way he has to play because it was like completely alien to him to have that role. And to see him just be able to do that and click into that, just like, wow, this guy can just do do anything. But I, Jack, according to the, the, the stat, me, me and you are Jack fans anyway. So I, I've, I've not been, the numbers really just backed up everything I thought. But he gets, he, he makes tackles, he gets in the ball, his progressive passes are higher than anyone. So he plays forward, he carries the ball, which I don't think many people give him any sort of credit for. But his progressive runs are higher than everyone, so he carries the ball up the pitch. Um, he's absolutely everywhere and if I was Rangers I'd still be looking to keep him in my midfield going forward and it would be like him, Raskan, Cantwell or him and Kamara because I feel like Jack people seem to don't appreciate him I feel like he can do pretty much everything I think Gerard takes a bit of credit for that I think Gerard did wake up other attributes in him and realise that there was more to him um, but yeah I, I never get it I never get the, the the dislike that Jack gets because he's, he's he's really fucking good. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you are a a, a scout wanker, then Ryan Jack would be top of this list. Quite simply put, <laughs> Ryan Jack is 
possibly more important to the way that Rangers play than McGregor is to the way that Celtic play. I'm going to hold my hands up. I'm going to take the stick for that. But I feel like Ryan Jack, and Steven Gerrard said it himself, Ryan Jack could be an elite class midfielder. You know, that's how much he liked and rated and enjoyed Ryan Jack. Ryan Jack's issues in recent years have been injury-based issues. They have mm-hmm. not been down to the quality of the player at any time. And I think that he's unfortunate that he's playing for Scotland at the same time as Callum McGregor is available for Scotland. Because quite simply put, Callum McGregor is always going to win that fight. He's always going to get the game mm-hmm. ahead of Ryan Jack. However, I think that Jack is an absolutely superb footballer uh, and, and one that without his injury issues would probably have been getting stocked for big money uh, from, from teams down south because he's, he's that good. He's that good. And the way that, God, the way that he, he, the way that he covers ground with and without the ball, he can dribble. Like the guy can, the guy can run with the ball. Mm-hmm. He can progress it. He can find that he can find the wingers and he can play a reverse pass into another midfielder. He's got the, the durability uh, in his game to, to essentially be able to do whatever he wants on a 360 pivot in the middle of the park. And I think that, you look at his importance, he scored the winning goal in the Scottish Cup final last year as well. He can get himself on the score sheet, he can get himself forward, but it helps out his defence uh, in, a, in a really, really impressive way. So yeah, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of the top two here, uh, McGregor and Jack. I don't think there was ever any doubt it was going to be those two at top two. Don't think, unfortunately, there was ever any really doubt um, in, in what order that was going to be. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think Ryan Jack's superb um, and in a different time, he would have been number one in this list, but it's uh, it's got to be Cal McGregor. Yeah, Cal McGregor, as, as as I sort of alluded to earlier, he's sort of hit sort of king status here, and 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 I just we you just have to accept that sometimes, and that and that and that's what happened. But yeah, you're right in terms of like progressions and stuff. Looking at like with Ryan Jack, it's it dribbles per nineties higher than most players here. Successful dribbles are really high. Um, and like well over sixty percent, and he's doing zero point seven five a game, which in this world is really good. And progressive runs per ninety is the best, and that's two point one two in a game. So that's some him carrying the ball forward, which is I always feel like something he got criticised for. I've always thought that's I always hear that oh Jackie plays within himself. He'll only ever play the simple ball, and I'm always, well, that's not what I see. I see a, a guy who drives forward and then plays the intelligible, but he'll eat the ground up in front of him. He won't just, you know, pass someone else and let someone else take responsibility for that bit. I just feel like Jack's kind of guy that's just making correct decisions. It's like, um, you know, the manager on the pitch type of thing. This is what the manager would want me to do in this scenario, so I'll do it. Uh, teacher's pet style footballer, um, Ryan Jack, and he deserves a lot of credit for it. And I, the injury problems are there, but I, um, he's a game hugely divisive player. Um, uh, whereas McGregor's like the polar opposite and everyone just sort of like oh McGregor's brilliant <laughs> like nobody ever ever, right. ever even question it uh, and Lund- I must admit I was surprised at how Lundstrom's numbers do match up to 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 them in, in quite a lot of quite a lot of the part of it but again there's the eye test it's when he goes missing in games and this is uh, and that's important as we always say as everyone say stats are good why scouts good your eyes are good you need to do you need to, when you're looking at a player, it needs to be everything. It needs to be. I need to watch him play ninety minutes. I need to look at the stats. I need to see what I'm not seeing, what I'm missing, and that's what's important about stats. But they certainly aren't the the be all and end all. Nowhere near the way that you would uh, fully judge a player, and that means I can get away with saying whatever I want. Now that I've said that. <laughs> 
Uh, but that was that was good fun. I think that'll be a half decent list. I'll send it over to I think Graham, who's going to make us a nice sexy graphic. Listen, Tony, we'll I've, I've, I've got one more thing to say, Tony. Oh, please. One more thing to say. You have convinced me to fuck Jimmy Jago off the list and get Dan Phillips in there instead. So, <laughs> listen, I'm not always wrong, but when I am, I will hold my hands up. Get Jimmy Jago. What, what a shock. This is the one time you're willing to admit it. <laughs> get... Get get Jimmy Jago away. Get Dan Phillips in there. He well, you you you, you uh, we'll need to we'll take you when you you the list you've written. Take them off because we'll send both lists to Graham and let him try and work out where that puts everyone based on obviously based on both our lists how that makes a ten. Um, and we'll be a nice graphic and then we'll get everyone giving a shit. I'm looking forward to getting shit for Hibs fans for not having Jago in, even though I do think there is a enough split in the Hibs support about Jago that maybe other people jump in going spot on and then other people saying I'm an idiot so it'll all be good fun hopefully good nature but um, yeah that was good I think it's good list and hopefully people will be thinking about your Omiongas your Shinnies your um, Kamaras I think they're going to be thought of as central midfielders for splitting us up so don't worry like <laughs> We're not saying that, that that all these people are better than fucking Glenn Kamara, all right? Which is what. Aye, I, I think I think we need to we need to release the long list of nineteen so people understand what we've had to pick from here. Otherwise, me and yeah. Tony are going to get me and Tony are going to get burned at the stake uh, uh, outside yeah. Easter Road or something here. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you you get outside Easter Road, I get outside Tyne Castle. It's a infamous end for us both, uh, but at the same time, like scarecrows just outside, <laughs> like starting at the Walking Dead. Um, but, um, right, thank you very much for listening, everyone. As I say, send the abuse. I don't mind. Um, and I'm sure we'll be back with our midfielders and our forwards and our wingers. That'll be firing out all week. But thanks very much. And say goodbye to Rob. Goodbye, everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network.